You're listening to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast, episode 62, hosted by me, Robert Plotkin. Today, I'm going to be speaking with Digital Wellness Collective founder, Nina Hersher. Nina is a digital wellness expert working with individuals and companies on technology usage to increase productivity, efficiency, and self-care. She details best practices in the 21st century for digital well-being. You can find out more about Nina and the Digital Wellness Collective at digitalwellnesscollective.com. And if you run or are part of a company or other organization that works on digital health and wellness, and you're interested in, in joining or finding out more, you can go to digitalwellnesscollective.com slash TFM, that's as in technology for mindfulness, and that'll let Nina know that you came to her through this podcast. And I am extremely pleased to welcome Nina Hersher to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast. In the interview that you're about to hear with Nina Hersher, you'll hear her talk about how the Digital Wellness Collective, which she helped to found, is a unique organization where people working on digital health and well-being can collaborate with each other, meet with each other, share experiences, support each other, promote each other's work. And, you know, you'll hear me mention that I've joined the Digital Wellness Collective, and it's been a great experience for me, and that it's often kind of lonely work. I've started working on these topics back in 2010, uh, largely by myself for a few years, then went more public when I launched Technology for Mindfulness in 2015. Even by then, there were not that many people working on topics like battling digital distraction. And I remember feeling like a bit of an outsider or weirdo when a lot of people didn't even get what I was talking about then. Certainly going back to 2010, there was a lot of feeling still that Social media was great, great way of connecting with people, that having the faster devices, more of them all the time with constant in internet connectivity was solely a good thing. And that to the extent that it might be a little bit frustrating or that people might use it too much, the simple answer to all of this was to just put your phone down when you didn't want to use it. And if you couldn't do that, there was something wrong with you. Definitely the sentiment has changed since then. But, you know, there still can be a bit of a stigma sometimes in talking about these topics. And so the tip I have for today is to try to be open and share with other people what your experience is with technology might be friends or family, you know, and some of the challenges you have, maybe some of the ways in which you feel like you'd like to be disconnected for a while, you know, maybe uh, it's an awkward topic to broach with your friends that you'd like to be able to put your phone down for a few hours in the evening and not feel pressure to respond to messages from them, let them know that if you, you don't respond, uh, that they won't you know, you want to know that they're not going to think any less of you. Uh, these can be kind of difficult topics to to bring up and mention with friends or family, coworkers or bosses. You know, in the work context, you might be afraid that you'll be seen as not uh, working hard enough or having enough of a work ethic. So my suggestion for today, today's tip is to try to share with other people. And you can start out in very small ways what your experience is 
with technology, you know, that you that you find challenging, that you'd like to change in order to be more focused or feel more grounded, less stressed out. And I'll just tell you for, as an encouragement from my experience is that you may very well be surprised at how much other people will join with you when you do raise these topics, whether it be with friends or family or at work or in other organizations. You may feel like you're alone, but when you start talking about it, you may find that you're not. And in the context of the Digital Wellness Collective, which is an organization that brings companies together who do work on this, you know, if you're doing any kind of professional work as a coach or a therapist, a teacher, a researcher of any kind, and you you think that you might be out of sync with your your colleagues, you know, raise this and you may find that you're not. You may find that people have similar concerns as you, even if those concerns may not be completely in line with the business that you're working for. So I suggest that you share and see what you find and you may be pleasantly surprised. On that note, I hope you enjoy the upcoming interview with Nina Hersher. We'll talk about the Digital Wellness Collective, which is a really unique organization that brings together other organizations working on digital health and wellness. Hi, Nina, and welcome to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast. Hi, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for having me. The thing I'd like to focus on today is the Digital Wellness Collective, of which Technology for Mindfulness is a member, I'm glad to say. (laughs) And uh, for those people out there who don't know about what the Digital Wellness Collective is, could you give us a little introduction to what the organization is, what it does, and, and maybe start even with how it got started? So how the collective formed was Andrew Dunn, Catherine Price and Kim Cavallo were really the three people who created the Slack channel to get people kind of congregated in one area to talk about what was happening. And so the Slack channel um, was called Digital Wellness Warriors. And it was really this kind of informal place where everybody could come together and talk about anything that we could do in terms of activism in this area. And so there was a petition on change.org that was launched on June 24th in 2018. And that was really petitioning Apple to be more open to having different apps that tracked our time plugged in that could coexist together. And Android was perfectly fine with, you know, everything kind of being in one arena and Apple was quietly beginning to shut down apps that might be perceived as competitors. And so this was a really, Mm. really interesting time that was really just a little bit over a year ago. And so I entered this incredible community in July of last year, and I was in close touch with Kim and, and with Andrew and all of the professionals. We had about, you know, 20 at that time were really looking for more of a concrete community. And so I was talking to Kim and Andrew about what would it look like if we form something with a little bit more internal structure. And that's when we kind of talked about forming the collective. And so fast forwarding to where we are now, the Digital Wellness Collective is the only curated group of experts and organizations around the world who are focused on digital wellness. And we have over 60 companies that we work closely with um, and over 100 in terms of companies and 
positive change partners. And so the companies are really the folks who are doing this full time. And that can look like topics from texting and driving to intimacy and tech to productivity and tech to youth use of tech on college campuses and everything in between. But our kind of focus of digital wellness is really about how are we using our devices? How does that affect our human relationships? And are we using them in a way where we can achieve our optimum level of health and well-being? Yeah, I I joined because I was looking for a place to collaborate with, share ideas with, just join together with other like-minded people and organizations. And there wasn't anything else out there in the digital wellness space dealing with issues of digital distraction, health, well-being, and social media, anything like that. There, there are lots of individual people and individual groups tackling it from a specific direction. But I had been looking for uh, an organization that would bring people together, and I st- didn't and still don't know of any other than Digital Wellness Collective. And so I've been really glad to be a part of it. And I've been meeting a lot of great people that way, been able to communicate and collaborate through the site directly then with people who I've met that way. It's really been amazing. And also just to see the the growth. I mean, this is a topic where just a few years ago, we know there wasn't even a term digital health or wellness. You know, people weren't even talking about that just a few years ago. And so it's still a relatively small world, but it's growing just so rapidly. I'm sure you've seen it just as much as I have. It is. It's it's growing really quickly and we have so much inbound interest. And one of the things that this year we're really going to be focusing on is creating a kind of toolkit for different experts in different organizations to create their own chapters of, across the world. And these are chapters we envision, you know, that would be open to their communities and really the general public who's interested in learning much more about what digital wellness really, really means. And so I was taking a look at our member map and our our largest hubs of professionals right now are in the UK, Texas, Toronto, New York, and newly we have some interest from Ireland. And so it's interesting to see where the companies are forming and where the kind of hubs are right now. And I'm sure that all of that will change very quickly, but there's a lot of kind of interesting data that we can track being this hub of experts and looking at the different interventions that people provide. Mm. And well, that is very interesting. I don't know if you have any ideas about why these specific places are hubs. I mean, sometimes just once once a place happens to get a few people or groups, that, that tends to attract more. But I mean, do you have any ideas or data about why there are some of these geographic places attracting interest in digital wellness more than others? I think that a lot of the hubs, you know, are major cities where there is a lot of kind of entrepreneurial spirit and where the people who are hustling, people who are perhaps all the more plugged in are looking for strategies to really help them sustain tech life balance. And beyond that, I think that there is a call and there is a need. And so a lot of the professionals in the collective have really kind of unique professional backgrounds. I mean, we have 
We have everyone from teachers to researchers and developers and like psychologists. And so I think that everyone has their unique entry point to why they created their company. And it's really interesting to see how those companies will grow. I think right now we only have three or four companies with two different offices. Um, So a lot of these companies are, you know, sole kind of entrepreneurs, experts, or they have like a team of two to 10 people. Um, We haven't seen a lot of huge companies yet in this area. Yeah, I mean, that may be just a function of the fact that the interest and focus in this is very recent. We also know that most of the major tech business models are derived from and uh, focused on ways of encouraging interaction with technology that don't promote a lot of health and wellness. (laughs) You know, so I think part of what's going on is people are searching for other business models, but there, yeah, there hasn't been uh, that opportunity for, for large growth yet. You know, what would you say are the, the main benefits to becoming a member of the organization? I've spoken already to some that I've experienced in terms of just being able to find and communicate directly with, with other people working on these issues when there aren't a lot of us around. But what would you say are some of the other benefits for organizations who join? I would say there are three really, really big ones and then a bunch that kind of fall under those categories. So we have our community and this is both, you know, through our online forum and through in-person events. So really having access to that, having access to real people who are doing the same thing. And this work can be really, really challenging. So community is essential. Networking is kind of connected to that, but this is really about collaborations. So we have this this kind of expression that a rising tide can raise all boats. And that's really how we feel at The Collective. It's very much about collaborating versus competing. And then I guess the third one would be really brand visibility and showcasing each of our companies, you know, through events, through conferences. It's been really interesting to see existing conferences take an interest in our professionals and say, oh my gosh, we should have a panel. And perhaps we would want on that panel, a developer and a researcher and a teacher and really bring those diverse perspectives into play. And so those are, I would say, the three main reasons that people join the collective. There are, you know, a lot of different perks that can be found on our on our w- website, but our overall kind of goal in creating the collective was to have a community for people and really to equip everyone in it with timely resources to amplify both their work and their impact on humanity. Yeah, that's really great. You know, I hope anyone out there who is doing work in this space who hears that knows that this is a place to to turn to, to stick with your tide metaphor of rising <laughs> tide lifts all boats. You know, I know from working on this topic or set of topics for almost 10 years now, first few years was very private, but can be really lonely. I think a little less so now, but we, I often find it often feels like swimming against the tide. You know, when the main stream, I'm trying to keep that tide metaphor going, the main flow uh, of the tech world tide, it feels really supportive to be part of a group where I'm not saying there's not any disagreement amongst people in the organization because there is, and that's really healthy. Uh, but we know that people have the same general goal of human health and well being. 
behind it. It's, you know, it's one of the reasons I started the Technology for Mindfulness podcast also was to meet more people and interact with people, promote the work that people are doing in this field because it, you know, wasn't getting a whole lot of attention. It's hard to get out there and spread the word about it. And the Digital Wellness Collective has been, has been really great in that way as well. It's, it's the first. And I really want through this, through this podcast episode to let more people know about it. I wonder if there's any way in which either directly or indirectly, you know, you're hoping there are benefits for people who use technology, but who might not be running an organization and therefore might not be members of the DWC. But what do you see as the benefits then for the broader public? For the broader public, I would probably um, say that we do really close work with the National Day of Unplugging. And we're going to be creating a series of toolkits um, for people to use to really examine their relationship with tech. The National Day of Unplugging was born out of an amazing organization called Reboot. And Reboot is Jewish in faith, and they have a lot of really amazing programs. And they, they've they been growing this, this kind of national day, which really has turned international for the past 10 years or so. We partnered with them last year to really spread the word about their work and to disseminate programming through our international network. And we found that there was a lot of interest. And I think that this year, our focus is really going to be on the general public and celebrating this incredible holiday. Um, I think that when people explore their relationship with each other and with tech, the tendency is to realize that this is something that is very, very powerful and really deserves our attention beyond that one day. And so we're excited to be working with some incredible positive change partners, including Tiffany Schlein, to really examine ways that we can make healthy tech use something that we do all year and not just on one day each year. Mm. Yeah, that's great. I wonder if you can tell people a little bit more where they can find out about National Day of Unplugging and when is it each year? Absolutely. So our website has some information on National Day of Unplugging under Get Involved. You can also go to nationaldayofunplugging.com. In terms of when it is, it usually falls at the beginning of March. The date for this exact year hasn't been set yet. It will be set probably in the next two months. And then we will have a lot more information for everyone that will be available on our website. But what they can expect is to be able to sign up to receive more information and they will receive a toolkit with ideas on how to hold an event for their community or with their friends and how to really celebrate this day. We're very empowerment oriented at the collective. So when we're taking something away or we're encouraging someone to turn off tech, we like it. We really like to replace it with something exciting. And so we're going to be rolling out an awesome campaign. So keep an eye out with a lot of different prompts and ideas of what people can do that is self-care adventure oriented on NDU and throughout the whole year. That's really great. I mean, it reminds me of some challenges that the environmental movement has faced over the years in terms of trying to spread the message. Whenever people have tried, have whether intentionally or not, sent the message that to help 
preserve the environment. You just need to give things up. Uh, it's never been <laughs> very successful. <laughs> you know, uh, use less energy, drive your car less, even if those are important components. If you solely are asking people to do things that they perceive as giving up something and not getting anything positive, whether it's material or not, you know, uh, in return, it's really hard, uh, understandably, I think, to get people on board. So, yeah, I really like that idea of making clear to people, you know, this is not just, a, you know, an exercise in abstinence for its own sake or stoicism or something like that. It's very contrary to the popular culture that promotes the idea that you know, more tech is always better and that therefore, if you're not using it for any amount of time, it's solely a, a negative or deprivation. Absolutely. And I think that in examining human relationships, sometimes we forget that those relationships include that with ourself. And so a lot of this is looking at how do we feel? Do we feel like we have a handle on everything? Do we feel overwhelmed? Do we feel tired? Are we maybe not turning off our phone, you know, an hour before we head to bed, maybe two hours? Like what is approachable for each person and how is it really going to affect their wellness? And so a lot of this work that we're talking about is giving people the tools to start exploring that with their friends mm. and to see how they feel. And it's actually very typical for people to realize on their own with just a little bit of information that they definitely do want to change their habits to reflect that kind of healthy tech approach. But what we're trying to do is to give them even more tools, even more support and to show them other people in the world who are also doing this. Because I think that there's a fair bit of normalization work to be done in this area, that tech is absolutely magnificent and it can be quite overwhelming at times. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes we feel guilty or similar emotions about you know, not wanting to have it on us all the time when it's very, very natural for humans to crave inner peace. And so how can we create a routine that allows us to wake up and feel at peace and end each day and feel at peace and then honor everything in between those two times that needs to get done. And that's where we take a look at our, you know, usage of tech and productivity. And when we're plugged in, are we being the most productive we can be? And when we're unplugged, are those breaks effectively recharging us? Yeah, this is really great. I mean, it's, it sounds like a uh, national day of unplugging is really a lot more than just a day because you're you're giving people resources, ways to plan for it individually and with each other long in advance and, and ways that they can continue to work on this afterwards, which, you know, we know that very often things that happen on a single day can be hard to sustain after that. If you don't have a plan in place, if you're not, don't haven't built a community around it, you know, sometimes one day events can just be one day if if you don't put all of the work into it that you're talking about doing with, with the National Day of Unplugging. It sounds great. Absolutely. And I think in that vein is we're viewing NDU as the kind of activation event to give people tools to really practice healthy tech usage all year round. And for people who, you know, want to attend concrete events. That's why we're going to be creating these chapters. We just recently actually have been advertising all of our professionals events uh, on our site. And so 
under the get involved section, there is an option to attend an event. And that's where you can find the incredible work of the people in the collective. And so these are the kind of keynotes and workshops, conferences and everything in in between that broach this topic of digital wellness and healthy techies. Mm. Yeah. So I encourage people, I mean, we haven't uh, mentioned, I think, the, the URL for the website generally, digitalwellnesscollective.com. You're letting people know that even if they're not a member of the organization, they can go to digitalwellnesscollective.com. I'm going there right now. Go to Get Involved and attend an event. Anyone there can go see events that are, is this right, being hosted by member organizations of the Digital Wellness Collective? Yeah. Precisely. Yeah, that's great. I mean, because it is very hard to find these. I think sometimes I've tried doing searches for events on digital wellness or tech, distraction, social media, and either I don't find anything or I find things that are about doing advertising on social media. There are more mainstream topics related to those search terms. Uh, It's really hard to find in one place a set of events that are all related to digital health and wellness. And, you know, I'm just looking at the list of events here now, and there's a ton of them. Yeah. And I think right now we have events listed um, that go through September, October, right up to the beginning of November. And we will be updating this as well. There's been a lot of interest in supporting our youth in this field as well and hearing from them. So I guess the one thing we haven't really talked about yet is that the collective is launching a youth track. And so this is a new kind of tier of the organization where youth who have created tangible programs in their communities and kind of educational networks can join the collective for free and receive support and can even be kind of advised by one of the existing um, experts and companies, if that's something they're interested in. Some, you know, youth have created something small and they, you know, want to know from others what, what has worked well and other are just on this, you know, hyper role and don't really need a lot of support from us. But the idea is to really take care of these people, to take care of this next generation, because these these youth, you know, we might hire them for jobs. We might, you know, help them to create their own companies, but they are our future. And so really coming together with multiple generations and kind of diverse outlooks on this topic is really, really important as we figure out what the most effective practices are in this field. Yeah, that's amazing. I just want to repeat again that for any young people out there and, and at Technology for Mindfulness too, we've been finding, you know, there's such a, a need and outcry for help from young people and from parents in so many ways in, in connection with the relationship to technology. So, you know, I just want to repeat that you're saying that any young people who are what launching ventures or involved in their communities in digital health and wellness for young people to be able to join this new track of the Digital Wellness Collective at no charge? Yes. Mm -hmm. And so any youth who has created a tangible program can certainly be in touch with, with us and we would love to get them involved with the youth track of the Digital Wellness Collective. Oh, that's fantastic. Taking that point a little bit further, I wonder, you know, given your your inside track on what so many people are doing at the cutting edge, 
Are there any trends that you're seeing or directions you're seeing for this? I don't know if we yet call it a movement, but you know, is there, are there future directions that you're seeing the seeds of now and that you would anticipate seeing, you know, growth of because of, of what's happening now? I would say that this has kind of reached a level where I would definitely feel comfortable calling it a movement. I think that what we've seen most in the collective is that there are diverse interventions to this topic. And that's really what's what's of interest for me because not everyone learns the same way. And so, you know, we have folks offering everything from camps to consulting to workshops. I think that having that kind of array is really, really important. And our goal for the collective is to have it turn into something um, akin to like psychology today, where someone can go and say, I want to hire someone to counsel me on X, Y, and Z. I want anyone to be able to say, okay, I want a consultant to help me work on my productivity with tech, or I want a researcher to teach me how to humanely design an app. And we really want this to be the hub for everyone to be able to access those resources, whether they're a general consumer or they're a professional looking to enter the space. It's really great. I mean, yeah, from my end, I've seen in a lot of cases that the work that people are doing, even when it's amazing, great work, it can be very uh, siloed or, you know, maybe it's someone who teaches mindfulness and they're innovating in that field. They're branching out to teach how to use mindfulness with technology, but, you know, they're within that community only. They may only be reaching out to people who are already within the, the mindfulness world. This idea of having a hub for bringing not just the people together who are providing services or education, uh, but you know people who are then looking for help to know that there's one place they can go is a really incredible vision. The challenge is for someone who needs help, unless they already know where to go, it's really hard to to find anything. And if they do find something, it may just be of one particular type. Wouldn't be the wide variety that you're you're talking about. So that's that's really amazing. Any other uh, future directions for the organization or for the movement that you know you you see as uh, promising that you'd want to let people know about? We are in the initial phases of exploring an accreditation program, essentially a training that you know anybody in the collective could be a trainer in this training that would be created solely for health promotion professionals and and educators who need the continuing education credits each year. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of incredible workshops out there. There isn't yet one major workshop where these, you know, nurses, teachers, pediatricians can take a training on the attention economy on the healthiest, you know, research-based practices in this area. And so this kind of realm of professionals, these are the ones who are really interacting with people who are in need of support when it comes to digital wellness. And so we're exploring what would it look like to educate these people and what would that impact be on humanity? 
in addition to that, really examining how does a program like that builds a pipeline of jobs for all of the incredible people in the in the collective who are already on the ground doing this work and might be kind of having a hard time sometimes figuring out, you know, how to price something or what does it look like to negotiate a contract with different groups. I think that it can be helpful in some cases to have a kind of larger program for folks to tap into. And so imagining a world in which, you know, every expert in the collective could be a trainer in this program and do that in addition to their existing work, if it's something that really called out to them. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I can certainly see the benefits of the people providing services. As you said, look, there's so many people doing this work who are doing it uh, as a passion, maybe as something on the side where they're really not earning any money for it. That's not really sustainable for long term, or it's not going to help get the kind of growth that's needed to help people continue to do the work and to grow it. And it and it won't help the public get the benefit of this if people can't put their time and energy into this sufficiently. And, you know, when I hear about accreditation, I also think, you know, the mindfulness world has been dealing with this too, as it's become more mainstream from the, from the public's point of view. How do you know whether someone advertising themselves as a mindfulness teacher has any credibility or how can you evaluate people when there's no real standard for that? Uh, there's no licensing requirement or something else. And, you know, an accreditation could really help give some standards and quality assurance to people who are looking to hire somebody. If they know that someone's gone through a certain program and has been uh, accredited by it, I think that would be a big, big help given just the incredibly wide range of offerings that are out there now without any standard behind them. Yeah. And I think that there's really a lot in there. I mean, there is the fact that solutions are fragmented and we're still working on best practices, which is exactly why I think it's important to come together and really exactly why the collective exists. That being said, we've made sure as we've gone along to get the researchers who are really on the front lines involved in the work we're doing. And so we have, you know, a team of incredible advisors. Um, we have, you know, folks like Dr. Tracy, who just got a major grant from the NIH to focus on teen anxiety and, you know, looking at, at our usage of tech. Um, we have Vijay, who, you know, helped to create words with friends. And so we really are healthy tech, not anti-tech. And we are committed to looking at human relationships and how tech can support them. And, you know, I think that it's really, really crucial to keep having those hard conversations as we proceed. And like you said earlier, we don't always agree on everything, but that brings up even more that we have to talk about and even more that, that we have to explore. And so I'm, you know, really delighted to say that in the collective, we have this beautiful blend of professionals and, you know, our, our most recent survey actually revealed that, you know, over half of the professionals in the collective have their masters or higher. And so the level of education and the level of passion in this group is really unique and unprecedented. 
So I wonder uh, we, what you can uh, tell people about how they can find out more. We've already told people uh, the website, digitalwellnesscollective.com, uh, where the public can go to find events. How about anyone out there who is a professional, a business owner in this space? What can they do to find out more about the Digital Wellness Collective and look into uh, applying to be a member? So under the get involved section on digitalwellnesscollective.com. There is a form that you can fill out that will be sent to me personally, where we can review what you've been working on so far and someone from our team will be in touch. And so we have kind of two main tiers right now. We have our organizations in the collective, and then we have the positive change partners. And so this, this tier is brand new. We're just launching it. And these are the larger, like much, much larger organizations and conferences that do work that might not be digital wellness solely, but they do tangential work in the communities. And so an example of this is um, Living Room Conversations um, has launched a new series called Digital Dialogue. And it's really this incredible open source platform where people can talk about the joys and challenges of tech. And so we're partnering with them and, you know, they're partnering with with other people and it's really this community endeavor. And so if you want to learn more and you're not sure if you would maybe be a fit to join as an organization or you're just launching your organization, please reach out to us and we can definitely get you to the right resources. That's great. And I'll just say again, from my own perspective, to anyone who's out there doing work on this, if like me, you often feel like you're a weirdo, you know, or an outsider, <laughs> like, you know, you, the, if you're at a university and you feel like the people in your department don't get why you're so, so passionate about this, because you're taking a, a, a just a, you have a different view about things, or maybe you're at a tech company and you've started something on the side. I think, I mean, there's are more people heading in this direction, but I have found it can be sometimes somewhat lonely. And just being in the Digital Wellness Collective for even a short amount of time so far, I've made some really great connections. It's been really inspiring and motivating for me. And I'm just starting to form good working and personal relationships with people. And so because it is the kind of work that isn't yet very mainstream, where you probably, wherever you are, I bet you're probably, you know, feeling somewhat alone, maybe don't have a lot of collaborators. I'd really encourage you to, to check out the Digital Wellness Collective. Thank you so much. That was so kind. Oh, you're welcome. So great. Well, this has been awesome talking with you, Nina. I mean, we've spoken before. I'm glad that we're getting a chance to just have a conversation uh, for the broader public and our audience to hear about uh, you and uh, Digital Wellness Collective. And thanks for being on the Technology for Mindfulness podcast. Thanks so much. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this Technology for Mindfulness podcast with me, Robert Plotkin, and today's guest, Nina Hersher. Nina is a digital wellness expert. She works with individuals and companies on technology usage to increase productivity, efficiency, and self-care. She details best practices for 21st century digital well-being. You can find out more about Nina and the Digital Wellness Collective at digitalwellnesscollective.com. And if you or your organization are interested in joining or finding out more about the Digital Wellness Collective, go to the special URL that we've set up for listeners of the Technology for Mindfulness podcast at 
digitalwellnesscollective.com slash TFM. That's TFM as in technology for mindfulness. If you like today's episode, please subscribe, rate and review and share the episode with your friends. And don't forget to also check out our blog at technologyformindfulness.com for information and tips about science, technology and mindfulness and how to be more focused and productive and less stressed when you use technology. You can also find out about our Tap Into Mindfulness course for helping you to take control of your smartphone and take back your life at tapintomindfulness.com. I'm Robert Plotkin, and I'll join you next time on the Technology for Mindfulness podcast with digital wellness expert and creator of JOMO, the joy of missing out, Christina Cook. Christina Cook.